Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for tuning in. You may have noticed our last couple episodes have just been fantastic. It's The last few people have been people who I met at the New Media Summit, and these were entrepreneurs who were exploring podcasting uh, either as guests or as people who wanted to start shows, and I met – I mean, there was about 150 people plus about – 40 more who were on the faculty of the of the program like I was. So I met almost 200 people, and I've asked about 10 or 12 of them to come on the show. And so the last couple of episodes, and I think even the next couple, will be kind of new friends that I've made over the last couple of weeks, uh, having been part of the New Media Summit. And every single one of the interviews has been fascinating. And as you know, if you listen regularly... I like niche businesses. I mean, I interview a lot of speakers and consultants and lawyers and people who do kind of regular-ish things, but I like people who are sort of out of the box with what their business is, and I think today might take the cake on that. But before (laughs) I let you get there, I have to thank one of the sponsors of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by the Potential Mastermind Project. Oh my gosh, that's my mastermind group that I host. So yes, I'm sponsoring my own show, but you know what? It's a worthy sponsor for the listeners of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, because I assume that if you're listening to this show, you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a business leader, or somebody with a huge slice of that entrepreneurial spirit who wants to figure out how to do more. And I know that everybody has potential. And I've interviewed now for my Paradox of Potential program, I have interviewed over 250 people. And of the ones I've talked to personally, people have come back and said, yeah, there's a gap between my potential and the results that I'm experiencing. Well, that's why I founded the Potential Mastermind Project. It's there to help people get some focus and get some accountability so that they can do more. Now, a mastermind group program like this isn't for everybody, so you might be saying, nah, that's not my thing. Or you're thinking, yeah, how do I find out more? Well, if you want to know more, go to PotentialMastermind.com, and you'll find all the information there. And if you have any questions, just reach out to me at Tom at TomSinger.com, and if you're a fit, we'll get you in the program. Now, today's show, as I teased you up front, is with somebody who has a business that might be a little different than anybody I've ever had on the show. And I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost spooky. It's a little scary. And we're doing this show in early November with Halloween coming out. You know, I'm jumping out of my skin to find out more about her business. So, Carolyn Carpenter, why don't you just tell us what Mabel's Six Feet Under is all about? Because I will never do it justice trying to describe your business. So, welcome to the show. Well, I'm so happy to be here. I feel I'm so excited. I feel like I'm part of the cool kids club being on this show, which is definitely there's so many cool things going on on your show. It's I have so people I have people tell me that all the time. They go in high school. I was never invited to the cool kids table. Now I'm on, now I'm on a podcast called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I've made it. 
<laughs> Yay, finally. And and I wanted to just take a quick second to thank you too for coming to the New Media Summit. Was that amazing or what? There were just so many great people there and you were so generous with your time and meeting all these new people. It was really, it was quite a whirlwind. And I really, you know, got to hand it to you for talking to all those people about all of their different ideas. It was pretty overwhelming and but pretty cool at the same time. Well, and it was interesting because there was people there from all different types of yeah. businesses and life. And, you know, it was yeah. interesting because some people didn't have, you know, things that were a good fit for this mm-hmm. show. And mm-hmm. other people like you, it's like, you know, we talked for a couple minutes. I think we were like nine seconds in when I'm like, oh, yep, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> right a guest away. on my show. You are so going to be a guest on my show. Like, like, let's do this before the week is over. <laughs> definitely. We just dove in because it's right. definitely, you know, plus we're both Aztecs. So we gotta, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so. right. That's right. You're yeah. a San Diego State alum too. Oh, I yeah. forgot that. Yeah. Go Aztecs. Yeah. Yeah, so, maybe. although I think yeah. you're a lot younger than me, so you were there a lot later. <laughs> oh, I'll let you think that. <laughs> so, I, I was there in the 80s when it was still a party school. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pretend I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk offline. We'll talk offline. <laughs> so, Carolyn Carpenter, welcome to the show, and please yeah. tell everybody about your business and 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 why it's got me uh, got me spooked or bewitched. <laughs> why am I bewitched scary. about your business? It's a very scary business to be in. It is a haunted maze, Mabel six feet under. It's a motel theme, so you check in and get lost. That's our slogan. It's Mabel's Motel now. And we basically, we are a haunted maze. We are in the city of Anaheim. We're very excited because just this week, actually, the mayor and city council determined that we are the official haunted house of Anaheim. So we're really excited about that. Because oh, congratulations. You know, thank you. We're really, really thrilled about it because we're right across the career from the house the mouse built. And so we're really happy to be included <laughs> in such a creative city and all the things that are going on in Anaheim. So we're really excited about that. Now, I have but to we, interrupt you, though. Back yeah, in the ahead. days, you know, back in the days, which, you know, long, like I said, long after I was there, but back in the days when you were at San Diego State and you were trying to pick a major and you're like, oh, should I, I should I major in business or telecommunications or nursing? Did Haunted Maze own I don't remember that in the student in the student handbook. Well, it's funny you should say that because I was a drama major, of ah. course, and so the drama department was in charge of doing the big haunted house at the at the at the big carnival that they had every year. Oh, so sure. the drama department kind of took that over, but that was just a side thing. So yeah, it, there is no haunted maze. You definitely it is a um, trial by error profession for <laughs> I, sure. And I would have majored in haunted well. maze if that had been a been an option. I majored in political science with a minor in English. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's scarier. <laughs> so you're the <laughs> official ha- you're the official haunted house of Anaheim. So continue to tell us about what, what what you're doing. So basically, we run for the whole month of October and and the first week of November as well. And we we're open like five nights a week, and then the entire week of Halloween. And we um, we are what we call a chainsaw free haunted house. So there's a lot of haunts that go very extreme these days, where they're you know smooshing cockroaches on you and slapping you with fish and all that stuff and it's too creepy for us. So we basically, uh, we call it chainsaw free. It's not gory. It's not violent. It's not disturbing. It's more like that old school carnival style, um, you know, trickery, illusion, deception. It's an actual maze. People have to find their way. And then we pull little tricks on it, on the people to make it hard for them. And what a great, what a great tagline. We're a chainsaw free haunted house. I think, I think that's, I'm going to steal that cool things entrepreneurs do is a chainsaw free podcast and and uh, me as a professional speaker i am a chainsaw free professional speaker that would be that would be good i think that should be your new tagline well you know what's funny is as i said that i realized that i'm friends with the guys from the passing zone do you know who they are they're entertainers yeah, sure. and uh john and owen and, and they actually juggle chainsaws 
and do speeches and entertainment. So actually, that's funny when I said I'm a that's chainsaw free because because the passing zones be not. Free. Yeah, they're yeah, they they could be finger free. John and Owen are not chainsaw free. So yes, and I keep interrupting, but it's because I love no, no, it's totally fine. I love totally everything fine. you're saying. It's very unusual. So we basically, uh, you know, you lose your way and we make it hard for you. And there's a lot of deception. People get very, very lost. It's an actual maze. You have to find your way. And then, like I said, we do little tricks to make it hard. We have uh, our Mabel is our little girl. And we basically, we poll our audience every year. We ask them what they think. We're very big on uh, customer service and audience participation. I actually stand in front of the haunt, talk to every single person. We take through at least four to 5,000 people. And I talk to every single one of them and ask them, you know, what did you think? And then people, uh, we have, it's a family owned and operated it was my son kind of got it started and then my brother and his wife and his children are all involved they're all adults now but we're all kind of doing this as a family thing and we stand at the entrance and the exit and talk to people and ask what do you want what do you, what do you think and then we email them afterwards and based on what they tell us that's what we decide what to build hmm. so mabel was so popular that we became the mabel six feet under and she's the she's our little girl she's very scary she guides you through or not she wants you to stay and play with her so um yeah we just we hang out all of <laughs> October and we do it up and it's really fun. We have a lot of people that families come because kind of 12 and up is what we recommend depending on the kid. And so we have little badges for people that it's their first haunt or we're just trying to create that old school carnival style feel. That's and awesome. people are really responding to it. We've just, um, this is our third season as Mabel Six Feet Under and we're really, uh, really just, it's gangbusters. We're having a great time. So how did you get into this? What led you to be an entrepreneur? Were you always somebody who was trying trying things and starting things or did you have like a job at a bank? I mean, what's your background? <laughs> No bank jobs. I, <laughs> wait, that sounded like I was a bank robber. <laughs> wait, <laughs> bank That's right. I, I, I didn't do any bank jobs, but I threw over a couple supermarkets. So, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> um, my, my father actually was, uh, you know, I've been a performer my whole life. He basically uh, did carnival rides. We, we grew up in East County, San Diego, where most people have ranches. But on our ranch property, he built spook houses, of course, like anyone in the front yard. And, and then he hooked the spook house to the family RV packed up the kids and the family dog and off we went. So I was a carny kid as a child. So was my brother. It's very odd to me that I've come full circle and I'm doing this now. So this is so, about uh, almost my 300th episode. I think this might be like 296. And I don't think I've ever had anyone who self-described themselves as a carny kid. So wait, this no is carny kids. Yeah, no, so we've missed the whole, that. we've missed the whole slice of the population for carnival kids. We missed that. It's very niche. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got it in before the 300th episode. I mean, or how could we have a legitimate, how could we have a legitimate entrepreneur? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, you know, the, the saying in our house as a child was as we'd run out the, the RV door, eat something healthy, get a corn dog. <laughs> that was my parents <laughs> saying, yeah, raising kids on the carnivals. Yeah, because there's so protein in those corn dogs, right? That's right. Just mm. a little bit, yeah. And the corn. And, and then my father settled down when I was about seven or eight, and he became a high school drama teacher. So he started doing shows, and I was in his shows as a child. And then he became like an artistic director of San Diego Junior Theater and then correct, and directed shows down at San Diego's the Glide Opera. So I've been a performer since I can remember and have always been gone from show to show. And then as I graduated, I became a drama major and then I danced. I was a dancer too and danced at Civic Light Operas and at Disney World and did the Can Can at Knott's Berry Farm for years and years. And so <laughs> that's sort of an entrepreneurial upbringing in terms of when you do shows like that, you're always creating things. You're always kind of flying by the seat of your pants. There's just so much creativity that goes into that that I didn't even realize, honestly, until recently like the last couple of years that oh wait that's we're entrepreneurs right. as we built this haunt well so i've always sort of said 
Awesome. I've always said that actors really are entrepreneurs because you go from oh. gig to gig. I have a, a young friend yeah. who has, has moved out to Hollywood to to make his way as as an mm-hmm. actor. And I remind him all the time that it's no different than entrepreneurship because you're responsible. Mm-hmm. You know, doing good work is just the entry into the ticket. You're responsible for everything else. So I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, you are. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I think, you know, I started as performing, but every single show that I did – this next show I would do with that company, they would ask me to do something behind the scenes. And I just kept getting pushed off to being directors and producers and kind of the production end of things and the business side of stuff. And finally, I, and I fought it really hard, of course, because that's what my parent did. So you can't do what your parents <laughs> Ew, did. Ew, gross. I'll dad fought. did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't do what my dad did. But then I finally said, you know what? Accept your gift. I mean, this is clearly everyone constantly was calling me. Can you help produce this? Can you help direct that? So I finally just kind of accepted the gift and we launched this kind of haunted houses, you know, real entrepreneurs where I'm doing all the business. I'm also really involved with a theater company in Hollywood called Neo Ensemble Theater. And I do the business side of that as well. And I'm a writer and we do my plays and my plays have been produced in a lot of places as well. But I always kind of end up on that production side of things. So the entrepreneur thing is really just, you know, become to fruition where I've embraced it and really realized it in the past like well, three I'll, or four years. I'll have, to, I'll have to introduce you to my young friend who has just moved to Studio City because sure. he is he is going in and you know pretty heavy on it and uh, he doesn't know anybody out there and he's you know young ah. young guy and uh, just starting his way. But I'll, I'll tell you what I, I think of him as, as almost like an extra kid. Uh, you know he joking mm-hmm. he jokingly calls me dad, but sometimes I wonder if he's joking and uh, <laughs> he he's not That's in the awesome. will. My own kids were like he, we like him and all, but he's not in the will. Right, there like, is no, a line. There, there is, is a line there is a line, but he is he's trying to break into that world. So maybe uh, after your Definitely. busy season, maybe I will uh, uh, introduce you to him. But here's that, but that brings me up to the thing. I say after your busy season, obviously the months leading up to Halloween is huge. But is that it? What else do you do? Well, you'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> the haunt industry is enormous. It's a huge, it's like an $8 billion industry. And there's there's actually, uh, the haunt season begins in March for us. There's a big, huge conference called Transworld in um, Missouri. So we go to that. And then there's Midsummer Scream, which is a conference in July. Scare LA <laughs> is a conference in August. So we do these little mini haunts just to kind of market ourselves. We also um, have a business side of things where we do online classes in safety for other haunts. So we're teaching other haunts how to keep their haunt safe and different ways that you can make it, you know, better customer service. And so we're, we're teaching classes all year long that have to do with the haunt industry as well as the entertainment industry as a whole. We're working with the Anaheim Fire Chief and another uh, Delta Pacific, which is a fireproofing company. And we're putting together these pretty intense um, safety programs for venues in general. Hmm. So that's kind of what we do throughout the year. And then we also have, I have, you know, I have the theater company I'm involved in as well. And then we also have another company uh, that's a media company that produces all of these classes. And I have a lot of different classes that we produce through the media company. Wow. So it so sounds like you've got your hands, you've got your hands in a lot of, of a lot of fires there, so to speak, besides working with the yeah. fire department. I'm juggling chainsaws sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's chainsaw free. Oh, that's right. That's right. Wait. You already said that. Ugh. But so just buzz in my mind. <laughs> so I got to back you up just a little bit because you've tossed out a saying three or four times as if you're saying, you know, uh, the candy industry or the movie industry or the lighting mm-hmm. industry. You keep saying the haunt industry as if all of us listening are supposed to go, oh, yeah, the haunt industry. <laughs> that's totally. I work in banking. I work in haunt. Tell us a little bit more about the business of haunt. It is a 
it is a huge business. And I think in part because of things like, I mean, I worked at, I was like, I said, a can-can dancer at Knott's Berry Farm. And I was there when they first started the Knott's Berry Farm or a little bit, not at the very beginning, but kind of in the earlier years. Uh, We we are the same age. We are the same age or you, or you might be one or two years older because I went to Knott's Berry Farm in the (laughs) eighties. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of early 90s. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to, yeah, it was like late 80s, early 90s, yeah. but it was like when we were Elvira, well, oh, she yeah. left and then she's back now, but oh, um, yeah. it, it became the thing that that saved knots, actually. They were kind of struggling and then that became the thing that turned their budget oh, around. Scary and Farm so, was awesome, sure. Yeah, it's great. And so that that has really spread. And now there is, especially in the Midwest, and because they have farmland, it's a little harder in California because real estate is so expensive. But they have like 30, 40 acre haunts out there where you, you know, they have tractor pulls because they have farmland and they have corn mazes and there's not much scarier than that. So <laughs> it is, a, it, like I said, like an eight, $8 billion industry. It is enormous. It's, wow. I was even weak you know, kind of did it. Uh, my brother had a home haunt and then I was working with uh, a nonprofit in Anaheim called the Anaheim Fall Festival. And so my son came to me and said, Hey, let's do a haunted house for the fall festival. And then that, it, it just got such attraction that, that such, you know, traction and people coming to it. But then my brother kind of stopped doing his home thing and came up and helped. And then that grew into Mabel six feet under, but because it's just, there's such a market for it. It's unbelievable how big this market is and yet so niched at the same time. Sure. So as a business person, it's really fun because it's so easy to market because it's I mean we have our avatars I don't know how much you talk about creating that person that you're talking to but they're Butch and Betty we've named them I mean we often say what would Butch think when we're trying to decide what our marketing tax should be it's it's just such a strong um, flourishing industry there's so many haunts and um, immersive shows and all the podcasts there's just it's very Robust. Well, I think that's great, though, that you've also been able to take your experience as a performer and a director and a writer and a director of Mm -hmm. haunts and actually turn that into classes for people who want to get into this. Because you said something earlier that hadn't dawned on me, but you said, you know, you're teaching safety to people Mm -hmm. who want to put on haunts. And and in reality, that must be really important because it would be easy for something to go awry, I would imagine. Yes. It's very easy. And, and we've, we've developed a whole system where we have a teach people how to do a full on shutdown station where you can turn everything off and turn every, turn on the regular lights in one full swoop so that all the lights go off, all the effects go off, all the regular lights come on in instance. And, and we train, we have a whole training that you, we can give to people so that they can download it and then they can have an actual safety manual at their haunt just by downloading the things that we're giving them. So it's because it's what we found in doing our research and going to trans world that a lot of people, it was sort of on the back burner. They only did exactly what they had to do. So we're trying to make it very simple so that safety is, you know, we're really, we're, I I often call it mama logging. I mama log people all the time about, you know, being the mom of the haunt, making sure everybody's safe. And (laughs) so we, we take that very seriously and we're hoping to spread that over the years and get more haunts on board with that. See, I've been hosting this show now for just over three years. I'm, I'm closing in on my 300th episode. And if you're a math – oh, you went to San Diego State. You don't care about math. I uh, <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> I don't either. But uh, people always say, wait a minute. You're not at 300 episodes, but you just crossed three years. I missed a couple of shows here and there. <laughs> Whatever. I'm a couple weeks behind. I can't behind. do that math. Yeah, you're good be, for me. You're golden. <laughs> I should have hit 306 like you know before, but I'm, I'm not at 300 yet. But, uh, you know – What's interesting is what I love about hosting this show is I get to talk to so many people in so many different industries that it's like it's like a little mini MBA for me. And also mm-hmm. just thinking about things, you know, when you say it, it applies to so many different industries. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of industries who there should be somebody who's teaching safety who mm-hmm. – 
you know, somebody listening could be like, Ooh, I could do that in my industry. So when you brought that up, I thought, gosh, this is really applicable. You know, not mm-hmm. all of us are, you know, chainsawing and scaring and, you know, dropping blood, but, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of industries, there's probably a need for someone to say, I've been doing this a long time. Let me teach you how to do it right. That's that's cool yeah. that you're doing that. And we definitely want to branch out into just venues, music venues. You know, there's been some tragedies lately, and we're pretty passionate about making it so that performers can feel safe, you know, when they go to perform somewhere, that shouldn't be a life-threatening thing. So we want to make sure that people are up to code and things. It's not that hard if you just take the, you know, the stuff up front and do it step by step. And we're trying to make that very easy for people. Sure. So what is it that you love about this life of entrepreneurship that, that you've developed? It's, I love not knowing what day it is. <laughs> like, I love, like, it doesn't matter if it's Friday or Monday. You know, I kind of am a flowy kind of gal. So I really love that you can just, you know, I'm also a night owl. And actually, our, our media company is Midnight Table Talks because we're always up all night long, you know, coming up with ideas. So that's what we decided to call it. So it's, I can work in the, you know, I can work my night owl hours and work till three in the morning. And it's fine as long as, you know, I love that capability of being able to work wherever and whenever I choose. That's huge for me. So are there, are there ever any things about the business though, where you think, Oh my God, I could have worked at a bank. What, what, what am I doing, doing (laughs) all of this myself? Why am I up at midnight doing this? Yeah. And the responsibility factor for anyone who starts a business, it is like you put yourself out there. I mean, you know, with this podcast, you put yourself out and, and then there's the haters that come in and criticize what oh, you're there's doing. Always so a cri- you yeah. Know. I've had, yeah. I've had people tell me, who are you to have this show? Or, you know, yeah. you're not that smart. It's like, yeah, I'm not that smart, whatever. <laughs> whatever, but I'm doing it. I'm one of those people that just needs to do things. And so you have to have that chutzpah and be able to just, you know, persevere because a lot, everybody will immediately tell you all the ways that you should have done it or could have done it or would have done it. And so you have to, you know, and I'm open to suggestion. I'd love getting, that's why we pull our audience so sincerely, but it is that ability to be able to persevere and also just, you know, the whole thing of not knowing what day it is, you can quit your nine to five and stop working 40 hours a week. So you can work 80 hours a week. Very (laughs) simply. It can be, you have to really be accountable for your self care and making sure that you take breaks and that you, you know, you don't work nine, you know, 24 seven, it can easily turn into that if you're not careful. So that can be a little um, uh, tripwire. So Carolyn, do you think (laughs) being, do you you think being an actress and a performer helped give you a thick skin for some of that? Because when you said that, I thought, yeah, I get criticized and I still cringe, you know, and and I thought, "Eh," you know, but I think being a performer, did you learn to just sort of take the critiques? Uh, Definitely, you know, actors are amazing. I call, I say they have no, no, they don't have no bones. Like they, in terms of like, they don't have a no bone in their body. They never say no. They're always saying yes to everything because you do, you do develop a thick skin and you develop a way to, even though it's, it can be really difficult to, you have to really focus on the good things that you hear as well. It's really hard to hear. And sometimes you hear 20 good things, but you only focus on those two bad things that someone said. It's being able to really kind of juggle that and make sure that you balance those things and surround yourself with people that are supportive so that you can weather those kind of storms because it can be, it can be dicey. Well, it's like being a professional speaker, you know, and nowadays everybody's gone digital, which means actually very few people do the surveys afterwards. You know, it's like, oh, we can go paper free, which means we'll get no surveys. But uh, in the early days of my career, there was always a piece of paper and I would do an hour long keynote and on their chair was a thing that said, please rate the speaker. Did you like his content? Did you like his style? Yeah. You know, the way they were dressed. I mean, it was like, there was like five different points and they could rank you on a one to five or one to 10 scale. And, and then they'd transcribe them and they'd send a copy to the speaker. And it was like that movie, uh, uh, Mr. Saturday night with Billy Crystal, where everybody loved him, but there was one table that didn't laugh. 
And, you know, I could get 90 people who said best speaker we've ever had at an association conference in the history of association conferences. And somebody would say, I didn't like him. And I'd be like, why didn't they like me? What was it about that one person? And I had to learn to realize that you just have to sort of take it. So I assume yeah. with actors and going through auditions and everything like that, it does oh, yeah. give you sort of that. Definitely. And now with social media too, you know, people can be haters and not be anonymous. You know, <laughs> anonymous. And, and we, we have, we have, in our, we have a little saying where we had a moment where someone was being a hater and one of our team members responded, did you have a rough morning? Because they were just fed up. And I was like, no, 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 take that down. You don't, don't engage them. You know, and so that, that's our sort of catchphrase when we feel like we're going to lose it. Like one of us say, did you have a rough, rough morning? Because it helps us laugh and puts us back in perspective and be like, you don't have to respond. It's fine. Just take, you know, that's kind of our way that we deal with well, help each other. You know, I'm impressed that you like have followed this life of being a performer and actually have turned it in to, you know, a business where you can earn a living and, and have a life. Yeah. Because I don't know if we talked about this when I met you in San Diego at the, at the New Media Summit, but as a kid, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be, you know, in, in movies or TV yes. or plays. And I loved it. And I was in drama in high school, but I didn't have that little something that allowed me to take the risks and try. I don't know what it was. My parents didn't love the idea of me being an actor. And the worst part is I, I grew up in Los Angeles, right? I, I grew up about 20 minutes from Anaheim. I grew up in Arcadia, oh, wow. Pasadena. Oh, I mean, Arcadia is 15 minutes from Hollywood. I, there's no reason other than I was just a scaredy cat that I never went for it. And I was in my 40s before I went for my own business. And being a speaker is, is a lot like being a performer. So I get sort of that little piece that I wanted as a kid. And, and I'm content with that. But I always look back and say, what would have happened if at 16 I had said, no, I'm just going to go try? Uh, yeah. I, I wonder if, you know, I, I, you know, I always think, what would that journey have been like? And so I'm always impressed when there's people who took that journey and then it turned the corner. They maybe aren't the Academy Award winner, but mm -hmm. they're running the coolest haunt in the country. I mean, that's <laughs> that's cool. Well, I think my dad used to say all the time, you know, you don't have to be famous. You can make a living without, you know, it doesn't have to be either or. Either you're, you know, Brad Pitt or you're a nobody and not making any money. There are There's a huge middle ground in there. And, I, you know, I stay in touch with my friends from college and they're doing all kinds of beautiful, creative things um, with their drama degrees. So it is, and I have to say that I'm not surprised that you were an acting major. And look at you, and you have turned it into something. I mean, those skills that you're using all the time as an actor, you're using in the public speaker on stage and off when you have to deal with people. Those acting skills come in very handy in business, I have to say. They, they definitely come in handy. And, and I was in a fraternity in college and one of my fraternity brothers saw me speak and he said, it's like you took being rush chairman and social chairman of the beta house and turned it into a career because I'm up on stage. And part of my topic is how do you connect with people? And I'm saying, okay, mm -hmm. so at the con well, let's use this conference as a human laboratory. And I would tell people kind of how to network better. But the thing is, they're like, that's what you did before rush parties or before we'd have mixers with sororities. You'd tell us, don't all clump together. Go talk to three new people before you can leave the party. They go, you just turned like frat life into a career. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is what I, I did. That is, well, what, that is what I did. Well, and I think you were intuitive and accepted your gift. Kind of that same thing we were talking about earlier. It's that ability to be able to take a breath and go, look, everyone's saying that, you know, I'm keep getting handed this job. So there's something to that. If they kept having you do that, you know, like it became a natural thing for you. And I think, it, you know, being able to take a breath and accept your gift, I think is huge in any industry. Yeah, ab absolutely. But, but like this friend of mine, I said, moved out to Hollywood. You know, I'm really proud of him because he's still in his 20s and he decided 
I'll go try it for three to five years and, and then I'll see where the journey goes. But I don't want to be 50 and say I never tried. And, yeah. and I think that yeah. that's, that's good advice for everybody is if you have something that, you know, you're passionate about and that you want to do, you know, go, go give it a shot. So what advice do you have for someone who's listening to this who, who has something that they want to start? I mean, obviously, you know, maybe a haunt isn't what it is, but, but I think this mm-hmm. translates to everything in life. If somebody has something they want to go start their own business, what advice do you have for them? Well, I think, I think for those people that are maybe in a job that they're not all that happy with, and they, you know, there's a, there's a growing trend that I'm seeing of businesses saying, you know, go quit, screw the nine to five, quit your nine to five. And they're really, you know, then you can sit on the beach with a laptop. And I think that there's, <laughs> it's, it's sort of irresponsible for some of these people that are promoting that, because I think if you are someone that's maybe in a job and you feel like you're not, you know, you're not pursuing that thing, that thing that you love or that thing that drives you and just sort of phoning it in. I think, really being able to embrace the role that you're in wherever you are is the first step. So rather than feeling like you have to quit your job, you know, and jump out of an airplane and then build the parachute on the way down for your business. I think, you know, I I had a little section there where I tried the nine to five thing and it it wasn't a very good fit and I was miserable at first, but then I thought, you know, I'd had, I raised a son and I wanted to have some security. And so I took, and it was uh, working as a fundraiser, which is very creative anyway. So, and it kind of taught me how to raise money for businesses too. So, but at first I fought it and then I started to think, you know, actually that could actually really work for the theater company or this little portion of this job could actually work for the things that I want to do. And so then I started volunteering more at my work and started, you know, asking more questions and signing up for more trainings. And pretty soon I started to get promoted at my nine to five job. And then I started to enjoy it more because it became a thing where it was really, it started to become more fun because I was embracing it instead of resisting it the whole time. And so if you embrace whatever your job is, there's opportunities there, there's relationships, there's people you can meet, there's resources there that you're not going to have if you leave that nine to job, nine to five job, there's security there. So all of those things are really important so that you can start to, you can use your off time. The one thing we all have in common is time. You can use your down hours when you're not at work in any way you want. So use those hours to explore that thing and, and keep that security. Don't feel that pressure. And, you know, we teach some classes and whenever I talk about this, I can't tell you how often I get people say to me, oh, like the, the weight has been lifted off their shoulders because they feel this pressure to do the thing and quit their job and go on to the next thing. And it's like, no, just take a breath and breathe and embrace what you're doing. And then you'll be able to kind of function a little better as an entrepreneur or in whatever thing you want to pursue on the side. If you want to be an actor and you're, you're not doing it at all, go, go. There's plenty of community theaters you can do in the evenings when you're not at work. You could, there's so many things now, episodes, webisodes, there's so many things online you can do where you can do it in your off time. You can create your own little things on iPhones. There's just so much opportunity out there. Well, that's there's what no- I did last year is yeah. I said, you know, I'm, was 50 years old. And I said, I, I talked about this so many times. So I sat down and wrote a one man show and I actually, I haven't performed it yet, but I did a read through for about 20 friends to get feedback. And it was fascinating because people of various different backgrounds, some with theater backgrounds, some not, some who'd never seen a one man show, some who loved that, that, that genre, mm-hmm. uh, all said the same thing and that I was onto something really Ooh. good, but, oh, see. but they all had some different advice and the advice was all similar too, but it was like, it, it needed a major rewrite is what we came away mm-hmm. with. And I haven't done the rewrite yet, but what happened was, is that the main character of the one man show was my own childhood imaginary friend, sort of kicking my butt 
for having not been more creative and pursuing the things I wanted to do when I was younger Mm -hmm. and for allowing myself to put my ladder against sort of a corporate wrong wall. And what happened was I was doing some research for the one-man show on like people and their potential. And I ended up creating a whole new keynote in my business called The Paradox of Potential. And and while the one-man show hasn't been done, I'm speaking all over the country talking about this whole paradox between potential and results and how many people feel like they've fallen in this gap and they can't get out. Mm -hmm. And it came out of writing the one-man show. So what I tell people is go do something creative. It Mm -hmm. may not ever get done, although I think I'll finish it, but it may not ever get done. But it spawned off a whole new piece of my business, and that's awesome. That's really cool. Well, now that you've had all this experience with this uh, offshoot, now that rewrite's going to be even easier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had to marinate it on a while, for a while, right? They gave me a lot of advice. And I had some, like, a lot of my writer friends said, oh, yeah, don't marry yourself to, like, things that a character does. Because I was very married to a couple of things, and people were like, that just didn't work. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and now a year later, I'm like, okay, I can kill that part. I'm good. It took me, yeah. a, took me a while, but well, I got there. You're going to love this, too. One of the courses that we teach is a, actually how to read screenplays uh, for production companies, because that's something that, I, <laughs> that, that was one of the other things that I did along the way was as a writer started reading screenplays. Comp, uh, screenplays for production that's companies awesome. in Hollywood. So that's one of the courses we teach is how to become a reader because there's a lot of jobs in that field. Sure. But it's that same thing. That's one of the things that we say, don't get married to your writing because it's a big one. You got to just keep going, keep going, keep writing. <laughs> so I've got a couple more questions for you before I can mm-hmm. let you go, but this is too much fun. I'm, I'm really enjoying this, but there's awesome. there's a rule on the show that San Diego State Aztecs, we don't worry about the time. We just go long. <laughs> There's no, there's no rules. There's absolutely no rules on the show. If the person's from San Diego state, we just go as long as we want to go. So, but before I can get to the last couple of questions, I do have to thank the other sponsor of this show. And this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Carolyn Carpenter. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and look for the offer they have for the listeners of this show. So Carolyn, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing right now with your business? Well, we are doing it. One of the classes we teach that we're really just getting started with and we really love is called an EMAP. And it's basically the same thing that we've been talking about. And it's basically E stands for embrace, teaching people to embrace their business and be able to, to um, figure out the mindset, the application and the practices. That's the map part of, of being an entrepreneur. And we're offering that through the courses that we teach with the Haunted House, um, with the side, with, well, we'll get into, it's a, it's a nonprofit actually. And so we're, we're helping people learn this through the haunt. So it's something that we do kind of on the side through our Facebook group and Facebook page. And we're really excited about it because we really think that's going to be sort of the pinnacle piece of the thing that we're teaching people. So we're really excited about that. Oh, that's great. So yeah. The big questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show is I love to find out what entrepreneurs you admire. Because I think entrepreneurs, I I think they're observers. And I love to hear the differences of what the guests on the show say. Because some people might say, oh, my dry cleaner does such cool things. And other people will say, Elon Musk and the way he thinks about reinventing space or the auto industry or whatever. And everybody else, it's everything in between. So who's out there that you look at entrepreneurially where you say he or she, they're doing cool things? Well, you know, I'm really, you're, you're going <laughs> to, 
I, I just have to say this, that where, where if you really want to find a place where you see a bunch of people doing cool things, there's this podcast that's really amazing and it's called the cool things that entrepreneurs do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pandering to the host is always a good thing. Part. Yeah. <laughs> but it really is like, I mean, when I first started, because we just met and I just started listening when I started to see all the amazing things that people are doing that you're talking about on all of your shows, there's just a ton of stuff. And I'm influenced by many, many different people. Evan Pagan, who's a marketer, he's amazing. And Amy Porterfield and Rick Mulready. There's so many great people out there that are just sort of teaching business skills. But I was really, I, I'm sincerely like, when I started listening to your show, it's just, it was like one person after another, we are like, oh my gosh, that's such a great thing. And I, every single time I take something away going, oh, I could apply that or ooh, that could work over here. And so there's just, I mean, that's a huge wealth of really cool things going on right here on this show. So well, I, thank I, you. And, and, I and, really and I tell everybody the secret is it's like my own little private college. Cause I get to talk to all these cool people Ooh. who are doing all these niche and interesting businesses. And it just makes me laugh because uh, I do think I learned something from everybody I interview and it's, I don't think I would be able to continue to grow my business if I hadn't started the show. So thank you for noticing that. Yeah, I appreciate it's it. It's so true. And you just got to be a big sponge, right? And just take it all in. Absolutely. Well, the last yeah. question I ask everybody is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Cause I think entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. I, I think we want to leave, leave a mark behind. So what is it that you do? Well, I, when we first started the haunted house, you know, I had been working as at the Y as a fundraiser, and and we were like, you know, we had all these volunteers that were coming down, they were helping us, and the haunted haunt industry, as we say, it, it draws a certain kind of clientele that can be, you know, all tatted up or a little bit on, you know, on the fringes, and we realized that some of the people that were coming down volunteering, they their lives were improving because they were working with us, and we were trusting them and giving them jobs and telling them, you know, we trust you with this, go run with it. And we were like really letting people run with things. And, and we realized they would come back each year and be like, you know what happened now? I had this job because I got more confidence or whatever. And so we, we just decided to be intentional with that. So the haunt is actually our chief program of a nonprofit. We made it a nonprofit called building occupational opportunities or boo. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we, like, we were very intentional oh, about boo. it. And so that's we, good. That's we, good. And like, for instance, we have a makeup artist and she comes and does the makeup and now we've helped her create her social media accounts and we're helping her with her website. And, and so we do hands-on things where people come in and work with us hands-on and help us build things. And then we also have the online component. So we started a Facebook group with our Facebook page and it's called the boosters. So you can come in and be a booster and we're, we're disseminating information through there, um, just kind of both tips and tricks and then actual the courses that we've been teaching at these conferences where there's a download and you can get more information. We have a mailing list you can join where you can um, learn about the haunt and then also all the things that we do all year long. So we can help people with this e-map and all the different things that we're doing. Um, we have Midnight Table Talks is the company that produces everything and then it donates um, a good portion of it over to Boo so that Boo can then give it to all of the people that are involved with our haunted house. So that's that's basically how we're giving back is just making everything sort of um, a cycle. And, and our haunted house doesn't, as a nonprofit, we don't reach out to a lot of, we don't ask for grants or anything like that because we don't want to dip into the pie that's going to people that are doing, you know, uh, you know, like uh, medical problems or, you know, terminally ill kids. Like we don't want to dip into those. So we use the haunt to fund things. So it's, so it's, you know, the money that we make from the haunt just goes right back into the nonprofit. So it all kind of fuels itself and it's been really fun. And, and so far we're just loving it. It's really working out. That is so great. And, and you're touching yeah. the lives of, of hundreds of people who come and, and work with you each year. That's amazing. Yeah. 
And hopefully thousands now that we've gotten the online thing going. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, good for you. I think that's awesome. See, yeah, the best cool. people all went to San Diego State. We, you know, true. we know that's, that's true. That's true. Aztecs. Go yeah. Aztecs. Hey, Carolyn, <laughs> thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. This has to be one of the most fun interviews uh, <laughs> just because I can't believe that there's a haunt industry and, there uh, is. and, and that you're kicking ass in it. I think that's absolutely great. So thank you so much for being thank a guest. You. If somebody's listening to this and they're like, I, I want to start a haunt or I need to know more about the Anaheim haunted house or just this lady is too cool not to know more about. How do they find you? Well, they can go to our website, which is www.mables. So it's the name Mabel, M-A-B-L-E-S, six, the number six feet under.org. Mabel, six feet under.org is our website. And you'll see there's a boo page on there too. So you can learn more about the nonprofit. And then our Facebook page, which is facebook.com, Mabel, six feet under. And in there, you'll see on the Facebook page, you can join our mailing list from there. And you can also join the boosters from there. And then the boosters, um, I recommend everybody jump in there because we're going to, that's going to become a paid uh, program eventually, but right now we're just building it. So we're letting people come in. We want everybody to come on in. So those are the easiest ways. And then I have my own website, which is carolynjcarpenter.com. You can reach me there as well. That's that's fantastic. I I have one regret between now and Halloween, and that is I'm not going to be in California. I'm traveling. No, I'm speaking all over the country. I'm speaking all over the country, and I'm not coming back to California, or I would come and yeah. get haunted. Sure I think it, you are. I'm gonna sure, I'm gonna call all my friends. I got a ton of friends. I'm gonna say, have you been to the Anaheim haunted house? Uh, you gotta go because it's, it's too awesome. So yeah. if you're if you're listening to this show and you're within a hundred miles of Southern California, uh, go get haunted in Anaheim because it sounds awesome. So thank you so much for being on the show. I really 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 appreciate it. This was a fun interview, and totally. I say it every time. Thanks to the audience. Without you, there wouldn't be a show. Follow us on Facebook. Cool things entrepreneurs do. We're on Twitter, at Cool Podcast. You can jump over to iTunes and leave a review for the show. You can say, you know, that this was the scariest show you listened to in October. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, also, then you can always email me at tom at tomsinger.com. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Carolyn. I know, that's scary to think about. But see, I keep playing on that whole Halloween thing. Good, I see what you did yeah, there, yeah. yeah. Good. But in the meantime, you guys go out there. And have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.